Not too long ago, I had the amazing opportunity to moderate a segment during the Teach Better 12-hour live event on social-emotional learning. And in this bonus episode, I have Mandy Freilich as we discuss the important strategies to use in the classroom or on the campus to help regulate students' emotions and assess student needs. Join us as we go through the segment on social-emotional learning. Welcome back, everyone, to Aspire, the Leadership Development Podcast, where we will be discussing the visions, inspirations, and experiences from top educational leaders. My name is Joshua Stamper, and you can connect with me on Twitter or on Instagram at Joshua double underscore Stamper. I'm so excited to be here with you for our SEL segment brought to you by our good friends, EduMatch Publishing. And for those who don't know me, I am a proud member of the Teach Better team as the podcast network manager assistant principal in the North Texas area and the host of the Aspire podcast. And I have a special guest with me, Ray. I wasn't expecting you. (laughs) I know. I am really excited to actually bring on Mandy, who's going to be on this segment. But I thought, Josh, and I was really excited to do this with you because you and I haven't gotten to chat much, like where I can see your face. We were voxing yesterday. Yes. And I thought we could just like take a deep breath from the last segment, reflect on not only the incredible 12 hours we've had, but then also like kind of get into a little bit about like what we've seen and where we're headed for this 12 hour. Can we take a break? And then we're going to bring Mandy in. And I know we're talking SEL. I love it. I did need to take a little moment here just to kind of reflect because that last hour was on fire. I just love what Hedrick was talking about and Sheldon Akins. I'm just a huge fan of both of them. They're just amazing. I know. I, I really enjoyed the variety that we've seen in these 12 hours because we've seen half an hour segments and full hour segments. And I feel like at the end of every segment, I'm thinking, oh my gosh, I just learned so much. But then also, wait, we're done already. We're headed Mm -hmm. to the next segment. For sure. Yeah, I've been frantically taking notes. Well, for two reasons. One, for my own learning. But then also, you know, at the end of the day, we're going to recap as a group, both myself and you. And I can't wait for that conversation to kind of go through and really just digest all of the amazing things that have been going on all, all day today. Okay, that's actually something I'm very stressed about. Can we talk about the last segment? I know we still have a number of hours. We're only seven hours into 12 hours, guys. we got plenty of time. Mm-hmm. But what's the plan at the end? Like, are you going to be able to pinpoint the session you loved the most? Like, if I asked you that right now, would you be able to identify that? That's the worst question they ask at the end. I know. What I'm hoping is that everyone else will talk. And then at the end, I'll just mention whatever hasn't been because they all have been strong. <laughs> So that's my plan. If Jeff or you ask me first, I know I'm in trouble. I know. Well, now I feel like Jeff, so Jeff's moderating that one and we just get to sit back and like watch him be the moderator and like pick on him. And I'm worried that now that you've said that out loud, you will be the first one he's going to ask. I'm probably getting messaged right now. Because that's how the Teach Better family works. We are supportive. We want you to be successful. And then because we love you, we throw you under the bus every so often. Well, since we have this time before Manny jumps on, I just want to give some logistics real quick, if you don't mind, Ray. This is really important. The yes. part. Okay, I'm ready. I feel like this is a big announcement, right? Because I need to make sure Jeff has told me multiple times I got to like direct them to the right spot. So I was going to okay. do that. But before I do that, if you are new to this, right, if you're watching the segment throughout the whole time, if you have any questions, you have any comments, you hear that special word better. Use the comment section on whatever platform you're watching on and make sure that you are either giving green hearts or getting those questions in for myself or Mandy when we're talking about SEL. But the big announcement, right, is that 
after the segment, they got to go somewhere else, right, Ray? So where they do they go? Do. Yeah, so here's the deal, guys. So um, it's comical because we're streaming right now, thankful to StreamYard, who's making this possible. We're streaming on Facebook, YouTube, Twitter, and Twitch. And we love that because we're able to kind of meet people where they're at and, and you know, get to see everybody on their favorite social media platform. But some of these streaming platforms have limitations. So we are actually, this is going to be the end of this stream, but we are not losing a, a second of time. We're going to enjoy a full hour focus on SEL with the incredible Mandy Freilich. Yes. And then we are going to end our stream here. You're going to refresh the Teach Better wherever you are, like the Teach Better Facebook page, the YouTube channel, on Twitter. If you're listening on Twitch, you're going to find the new stream. And we are going to be um, continuing our conversation with grading, assessment, and feedback with Dave Schmidt and Caitlin Giordano in our next segment starting at four o'clock Eastern. So as you know, Josh, and I know that you planned it this way because you're probably in cahoots with Katie Miglin, who's making all this 12 hour possible. You saved the best for last. Like this is how we're wrapping up the first link for the first stream of our 12 hour, you know, seventh hour information. Well, it doesn't end any better than Mandy. I mean, she's just phenomenal. I can't wait to introduce her and talk with her about this important topic of social emotional learning. And then also EduMatch, you know, they're our sponsor for this hour. I love them so much. Sarah Thomas is doing amazing things with that company. And they've also given us some prizes that I get to give away this hour. So um, we'll do that throughout this segment, probably toward the middle or end. Oh, Mandy's here. Love it. Hi. <laughs> How are you guys doing? So awesome. good. I'm going to let you guys kick this off. I just stole your your time for a little bit, Mandy, because I just had to preview how incredible you are. They're all warmed up now for your greatness. They are. Oh, my gosh. Thank you so much. I appreciate you more than I can put into words. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Let's get into SEL sponsored by EduMatch. Yes. Thank you. This podcast is a proud member of the Teach Better Podcast Network. Better today, better tomorrow, and the podcast to get you there. You can find out more at teachbetter.com slash podcast. Now let's get back to the episode. Hi, Mandy. Hi, how are you? Wonderful. Well, I have the great pleasure of introducing you. You're an amazing leader, educator, educator in person. Mm-hmm. I, I just love communicating with you all the time, especially with our you know, boxer groups and messages. Uh, Mandy, if there's any viewers out there that may not know you, you know, will you just take a moment to introduce yourself and share about all the amazing things that you're doing in the world of education? Yeah, absolutely. So um, again, my name is Mandy Freilich and you, you know, it, that like piece of it is so awkward to get into, isn't it? <laughs> like when somebody says, introduce yourself, you're like, do I start with my name? Because it's literally right there, right there. You know what I mean? Like, I don't know. Um, Anyway, I am an education consultant currently, but I was formerly um, an elementary educator, uh, tech integrator, and director of innovation and technology. I, re- I um, retired right prior to the pandemic and had been consulting and doing the tech directorship for quite some time. And um, now I just consult full time and write books and work for EduMatch and and all of those things. So. Um, yeah, that's kind of, you know, educator, social, emotional support's kind of my jam. And um, mm-hmm. so I talk a lot about mental health and mental health issues and and all of those kinds of things. So that's where I'm at. Love it. And we're going to dive into that. So obviously this year has been extremely difficult for many educators, students, community members. And the focus has shifted to social, emotional learning throughout the year for obvious reasons. But 
as we both know, SEL is not a new concept. Mm -hmm. um, the pandemic has really just highlighted that need on each campus. And so, you know, to kind of start the conversation, maybe we can create a baseline. What are some practices that are that schools should have in place to serve the emotional needs of our students? Um, well, I think that, um, you know, from from serving the emotional needs of our students, like districts are really all, all over the place, right? Mm -hmm. I don't feel like there's any standard as to as to what happens. And it it reminds me a little bit of, you know, back prior before there were ISTE standards. Yeah. EdTech was a free for all. Like there was no, um, you know, set way as to do that. Even now, a lot of districts don't subscribe to the ISTE standards or follow any anything like that. Um, but it's a little bit more common than it had been. And I really feel like SEL is sort of like that. Um, people don't really understand always what it is. I had um, an educator reach out to me at one point and he's like, SEL is no problem. He's like, all it is is student engagement. And I'm like, no, it's no. not actually just student engagement. And so, but that's like a, that's a really common belief. And, um, you know, if we just engage students, they, they'll be fine. And that's not really um, all of what SEL is. And so I think the first thing that districts really need to do um, is, first of all, understand uh, what SEL is. <laughs> I know you just like you just said, Josh, like set a baseline, do you, mm -hmm. you know, and, and not where there's an administrator, somebody guessing that they know where it is. Um, but that they actually put in the work to do the research, to bring in a consultant or bring in a, um, you know, hire an SEL coordinator or something to that effect, where they um, very strategically create that baseline of what everybody know, what everybody needs to know. Um, and I, I subscribe pretty heavily to the ca uh, the Castle competencies, and so um, you know, uh, if you are not familiar with that Castle C A S E L. It's an organization that has competencies based around um, SEL, similar again to like the ISTE standards. And if I had to, if I had to put it in, uh, you know, if I really had to frame anything out for SEL, I would be all over the CASA competencies and they have tons of, of resources. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, and Andrea said, some just think it's a buzzword. Yeah, and, and to a point, a little bit it is because it's, it, the concept itself is not is, is so important that it should never be a buzzword. But right now, people feel like they're on top of it if they just say it. And, you know, and so really understanding that that we need to be behind our words, um, if you, you know, whether it's a buzz, buzzword or not, that we're behind that buzzword and actually doing stuff to make sure that, um, you know, that our students are feeling supported. And I, I don't think, Josh, that I actually answered your question. So you said, what are what should districts be doing right now? Well, like, <laughs> one thing is they should be figuring out what SEL is. Yeah. And and just, you know, taking taking the time to, again, research, create kind of a foundation. And then, um, you know, a lot of the things that we need to do for our students are the same things that we need to do for our teachers, um, creating create an atmosphere where they feel like they belong. I truly believe that nobody can be happy in, uh, you know, in a school organization classroom if they don't feel like they belong. I don't think it'll ever that'll ever work. Um, and 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 Eileen Whitaker does a lot of um, work around belonging, and 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 she's amazing with that. 
And um, so I, I think creating those, those cultures of vulnerability, of empathy, of relationships first, of, um, of you know, making sure that everyone feels like they belong, I think that those are probably the, where the district should start. Uh, it doesn't have to be an SEL program. It doesn't have to be, you know, like it, it, you don't have to go buy something in order to make SEL happen. Um, you need to know what you're talking about and you need to start at the at with the basics, which is, um, you know, relationship building and belonging. So those are those are sort of my, you know, just getting started type things uh, that districts could do. Yeah. And so I think you made a good point there. Well, you made several one, you know, finding <laughs> the expert and making sure that you have a good definition of what social emotional learning is mm -hmm. instead of just saying the term and, and just assuming that something's going to happen because of that term. Mm -hmm. um, but then the other piece is that it's not just for students, it's also for teachers, it's for educators. So, you know, that question goes to what can schools and district leaders do to support teachers' mental health? Yeah, this one's always this one's really a tricky one because there's quite a bit of supporting educators' mental health that really is on the educator. Um, there's so much of of mental health stuff that is rooted in in educator self awareness, and so a lot of the things that we can do for our students are sort of the same as as what we can do for educators. Um, one is educating them on what disengagement is. Um, what what is burnout actually? <laughs> you yeah. know, what is demoralization actually? And and giving them the information that they need to not necessarily self-diagnose, but at least understand what they're dealing with. You know, if potentially they feel like they're dealing with a little bit of of burnout, that they understand that they may need to look at pulling back a little bit, creating some boundaries, you know, doing those types of things. Whereas if they're dealing with demoralization, for example, that they're they're more likely to heal from that, from leaning in and creating their identity again. And so there are other reasons for educators' mental health to be impacted in their job besides burnout. What are those? And how do we even begin to start healing from something like that? So, you know, that kind of, kind of the idea that information is power, right? Like we can, um, we, we need to be self-aware enough to know what to do with that information. And we need to have the information in order to grow from there. Um, the other thing that, that I think it's important for districts to do is to really understand the amount of constant um, new implementations and new initiatives they have. Um, you know, I've been in districts where we've literally sat down and counted them out and there's like 37 new implementations. Nobody can function like that. No. And, and it, so the district needs to be responsible for what they're actually asking teachers to do. Um, and, and so that kind of leads back to taking some things off their plates. Uh, another really powerful and practical step that districts can take is to um, check their insurance plans. How well is mental? How how well are mental health services covered? Mm -hmm. Are they covered at hundred percent? Do they know how? Do people know how to get help? And not the people in HR because they're always like, oh, well, you just call this number and somebody on the phone will get you some support. <laughs> You're like, what now? That number is nowhere on any of my stuff. 
Um, but really checking in, like, how long does it take to get an appointment through your insurance? Is the, is the insurance website always updated with providers that are covered? You know, just like there's there's little things like that um, because in the case of mental health specifically, if I'm depressed or I'm anxious enough that I want to see somebody and talk to them and go to counseling, that in itself is a barrier for me to get help. So if you make it, you know, if the district makes it really difficult, if it's more than three steps, I am most likely not going to get through those three steps in order to get help. And so how can we really make the process for getting assistance as easy as humanly possible so they know what they can do? Mm -hmm. So let's talk about the end of this school year, because as we know, throughout the country, students are coming back into person for next school year, too. That's most likely what most days are going to have um, where you know, kids are going to come back onto campus. And as we all know that they've probably gone through a lot of different emotional traumas through that time of isolation, you know, deaths in the family, loss of jobs, you, you name it, a lot of things are going on in the students' lives. So, mm -hmm. you know, what are some things that schools can do, like practical things to help with that social emotional piece, instead of just looking at maybe learning loss? Yeah, learning loss. That's that. Hey, I absolutely I am struggling with that term mm -hmm. or like the gaps or things that people talk about, because I think that what it what it does is when we talk about learning loss, we are we are suggesting that teachers did not do the best that they could with what they were given. Um, and 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 I feel like it is. You know, when we have had people go through what they have had in the past year, and whether we're talking about students or teachers, it doesn't matter. Um, and then we get to the end of that and we're like, oh my gosh, hands in the air. We, you know, like throw your hands in the air. I'm going to have to start all over again next year. And we've got two and a half years to cover now. Like that's not doing anybody any good. That is that is a recipe for disaster. Um, you know, then we're we're already starting out next year with huge amounts of anxiety um, for everybody because all of a sudden we're behind and we have to catch up. And and so the idea of of learning loss, I think, is such a slap in the face to educators and everything that they've done over the last year and a half. Um, I don't know the statistics on what students have learned in comparison to what they have learned in, in previous years. Frankly, I don't give a damn because we were in a global pandemic. Um, and so I think that what we actually need to do when we go back next year is we need to start to do all of the things that we missed over the pandemic. And what I mean by that is hug our kids. You know, like, I'm so glad to see you. I haven't seen you in so long. It has been, you know, by the time that we go back 18 months or whatever it's been, um, I, I've, I've missed your faces. Uh, you belong here. I love you. You know, we need to reestablish those relationships, which is what we were missing during the pandemic to begin with. And if we're creating those classrooms where relationships are a foundation, we are naturally going to hit a lot of the SEL requirements. Um, if we go into the classroom and we're like, hey guys, you might have gotten dumber over the pandemic. <laughs> so <laughs> we're going to try working on that. Like you're, we're, it's just not, it's not a, it, it's a no win situation. 
Um, you're not setting up the students for success because of, you know, you're not focusing on relationships, you're not focusing on SEL. Um, and, and honestly, I, I would think that going in focusing on academics next year is going to um, be, it's going to make students so anxious that when you start talking about, um, you know, some of the pieces of, of SEL with, uh, you know, um, self-regulation and, and things like that, it's going to make it a lot more difficult for students to self-regulate with all of that pressure. And so I think, um, so I think it's really important to go into next year, uh, starting out with you know, kind of that idea of back to basics. Um, what did you miss about your students when they were gone? Oh, the relationships, being able to talk to them, see them, look them in the eye. Uh, yeah, so do that. Um, don't worry about the learning loss. We will get there. You know, is, is, there may be students who could have learned better in school. There's no doubt about that. But it doesn't make what we've done wrong. We did what was necessary and we'll start and we'll we'll move forward. But if we keep looking backwards, like keep looking in the rearview mirror. Somebody said to me the other day, um, somebody said, if you are in your car and you check the rearview mirror, you're going to keep driving forward. But if you're in your car and you stare at the rearview mirror and you never look forward, you're going to crash. Yep. And when we talk about learning loss, I feel like it's that same kind of analogy. Um, so I guess the, the most practical thing I can say is as we start to go into next year, um, you know, think about what did you need when you were in the pandemic? You needed like even even introverts are saying now, like, gosh, I, I certainly miss human connection a yep. little bit, you know. Um, and what so what did you need? You needed human connection. Start with that. That's the most practical thing I can say. Yeah. All right. So everyone that's viewing right now, let's give some green hearts to Mandy because she's on fire right now. <laughs> All right. So you talked about self-regulation. And I would love to talk about that because, you know, as we get students back into the building, you know, that's going to be a whole new environment. There's going to be a lot more stresses in their life that they're not, they haven't seen for over a year. You know, what are some strategies, not only for the students, but for the adults in the building to help self-regulate? Um, yeah. So one of the things that I have, I'm going to, I'm going to sort of start out with, and it's, it's sort of a bummer thing to say, I, I feel like, but I'm going to, I'm going to talk about it anyway, because I think it's really important to, to be able to look forward and to be a little bit proactive. Um, one of the things that I can see happening as a potential happening for next year with educators is that as we go into the beginning of the school year and things start to feel just a little bit more normal, um, and because we're going into buildings, we're working with students, we're doing all those types of things. Um, I ha I'm, a, I'm fearful that at that point is, we're going, is when we're going to start seeing um, more sort of trauma behaviors mm -hmm. in educators, um, potentially students too. Uh, but, you know, my focus is, is always educators because I know everybody's focused on the students. So I try to make sure that I, I pay them special, special attention. Um, and the reason that I say that is because I, I, I kind of, uh, the best analogy I have is like um, an, an ambulance uh, EMT, uh, yep. EMT worker. Okay. So, or an emergency room doctor. Like we often hear, hear this with both of those types of types of jobs. They go and they do their job and something really sad and difficult happens and they go home and they break down, right? Uh, because their job 
mattered in the emergency. They did everything that they possibly could during that time. And in order to do that, you have to almost take a piece of yourself, like take a piece of your human and sort of put it aside and be like, I have to take care of this right now. So you're just going to have to wait. And um, then when that human comes back, you have all the feels that you didn't feel when you were in the, in the midst of the trauma. And I feel like in a lot of ways, um, educators are going to have been doing that for 18 months, which means when we go back to school and things look a little bit more normal and their human comes back and the human's like, hey, that really stunk. Like it, it was hard and I'm sad and I have PTSD now from it and I need I need special attention. Um, and then we're going to be in the beginning of a school year. And so the reason I bring this up is because I think um, I think in some ways, educator, uh, mental health and um, student SEL has become a huge uh, bandwagon issue, right? Everybody's jumping on the bandwagon. They're like, yep, this is important because we had a pandemic, we're going to jump on. And I think it's awesome the attention that it's gotten. But my fear is that when we get back to school, people are going to say, oh, but it's over now. So mm -hmm. we're okay. When actually that's going to be the time that I think it's going to be the most critical for us to have supports in place for people who are going to be going through um, potential PTSD in order to get get you know back to where they were. So that's one thing that I kind of that I want to bring up um, that I feel sometimes people look at me and they're like, well, that's not good news. <laughs> <laughs> No, it's not. But I really think that that's why it's so important that we get the supports in place. Yes. Um, as far as the self-regulation goes, um, you know, one of the areas uh, that I feel is really important in self-regulation um, is being um, is mindfulness and things like, um, you know, uh, working on breathing exercises and there are some things that you can do that that really help a lot with self-regulation um one of the one of the things that i think is true about mindfulness because i'm like a certified mindfulness person uh, one of the things that i feel like is very true about mindfulness is that you have to be able to practice it in order to be able to teach it and yes. that's not that's not always true with everything like sometimes you can teach something that you're um, you know, not super familiar with, but in this case, you have to be able to practice it first. And um, when I first started talking about mindfulness, uh, my district, uh, the district I was that I was in was moving towards, um, you know, like being trauma informed and things like that. And so we had we actually had a, a mindfulness coach in the district. And one of the things that a teacher said to me in the middle school, because the mindfulness coach worked in the, uh, in the elementary, the middle school teacher said to me, you know, they keep telling me to teach my kids mindfulness, but I don't know what that is. Like, I don't even know where to start. I don't, I don't have the, the foggiest idea. And so it goes back a little bit to what are some, what are some practical things that we can do to help people out at the beginning of next year, teach them stuff like that. Yep. Um, it's and and work them through, bring them through a workshop, you know, ask them to practice it themselves because it's going to help them as well. Uh, but being able to bring yourself back to the moment, uh, back to the moment and be in that moment and be within yourself enough to be able to figure out your emotions is a really important part of self regulation. Um, so from 
again, from the practical standpoint, because we can't always we can't always affect how self-aware people are, right? Like mm -hmm. that's a huge part of it. We can't make somebody be self-aware, but we can give them the tools and mindfulness is one of those tools. Well, we also need to give them the time to practice it and yep. we also need to give them the space also. Yep. yep, absolutely. Yeah. And I think those are factors that are missed a lot of times, you know, we'll teach and we'll provide that from someone that's an expert, but then we don't allow that opportunity for them to actually go and work mm -hmm. on the mental health or mindfulness right. piece. Yeah. So, and one of the things that I talk about a lot with districts, because I get I get the same, like I get a lot of the same questions, like, well, what can administration do? What can districts do? You know, because they want to be helpful. Like mm -hmm. they really do. They just don't know how. Yep. And 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 so I get that question a lot. And I'll say, have a half-day PD where people do it. If you want to do it in ed camp style, that's fine, but have it focused on things that would be SEL related. And I said, you know, have like I said, like. I often use because I wanted this so bad and nobody ever taught me this. I always wanted to know how to um, like make meals on a Sunday that lasted all week. You know how like people package their meals on yep. a Sunday and then I never knew how to do that. I, that was like that would have reduced my stress level so much as because I was I was teaching full time. I had um, four kids and I was always getting some sort of degree. And so having somebody teach me something like that would have absolutely helped me out it would have reduced my stress level and so i'll say have something like that have a mindfulness class yep. have have a yoga class have have you know classes where we had a um in the one uh district i was in we had this amazing um like oh i'm not gonna be able to think of the word of it it was like a we called it wood shop when i was in high school you know like that kind yeah. of a that kind of a facility yeah. we had an amazing one like teach teach teachers how to build something with their mm -hmm. hands, you know, and industrial technology. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. I could not, <laughs> I could not come up with that. It just popped in my head. <laughs> <laughs> and so many times what people say to me is, well, really got to hit on literacy and math and every single PDV do. And I'm like, really, do you like who, who makes that rule? Mm -hmm. Do you really have to do that at a time when we're talking about focusing on relationships? Do you really need to take a three-hour training to reteach them how to do math interventions? Is that is that actually a thing? And people can't answer that. People are always like, well, that's the way we've always done it. Yeah. Fantastic reason to change it. <laughs> exactly. So um, you know, I think uh offering offering educators that like you said, Josh, that time to really dig into the things that we're asking them to dig into that make us better humans mm -hmm. and better educators like that's the that's the thing we really need from districts yeah i couldn't agree more and you know thinking outside the box right talking about breathing exercises or meditation mm -hmm. or you know something that's not spoken of but can do a lot of good with mental health and i think you hit it on the head and i want to talk about another thing that i've heard you speak about mandy um, which is emotional tracking and I'd love to discuss that more. And so for those who may not know what that is, will you just kind of share that piece and then how it can be used within the classroom? Yeah. Um, so I love emotion tracking and I think it's it can be super powerful. And what emotion tracking is and I have um, in my book, uh, the educators matchbook, I have an emotion tracker that goes through the entire book. What it is, is a very simple way to um, keep track of how you feel and why you feel that way. 
Yes. In, uh, the, in the educator's matchbook, it simply uses like five different emo, um, emojis. Like, mm -hmm. so it doesn't need to be difficult. Um, but if you're having a particularly bad day um, or something like that, you just make a note of why. And the idea is that you look for, um, you look for trends. So this would be, if, you're, if you deal with graphs, like if you ever teach graphs or anything like that to students, this is an awesome, very realistic way to take a look at something like that and to look at trends in, in their, um, you know, it can be in their week, in their month, or in their year. And I'll give you an example of how, um, how this worked really well for a friend of mine. I just spoke with her the other day. She had started emotion tracking um, two years ago, and so prior to the pandemic. And uh, she had um, called me a couple weeks ago, and she's like, I have been struggling so so bad like and and she goes and at first I was thinking oh it's the pandemic and oh my luck just hasn't been good lately and and all of the things and she's like but then I looked back at my emotion tracking for the last two years and I realized always about this time I have a really difficult time she's like so it must just be like March yep. and and I kind of joke about, you know, that somebody coined the term fart, you know, between February and March when that's so hard. Um, <laughs> it's because it's, it's like it's the perfect sounding word for that time of the year. It just sounds disgusting. And it's usually kind of hard for people. Um, but that not that realization helped helped her to be a little bit um, more proactive about how she was approaching her own mental health. And now next year, now that she noticed that, she will be able to, um, you know, sort of be even more proactive than she had been this year in, in knowing that that time it's a possibility that she could be feeling really down. Um, mm -hmm. And so it's, again, it's just a very simple thing that you can, if you have like a calendar or if you have, um, you know, uh, any kind of it, just a notebook, whatever, just write down, uh, you know, write down how you're feeling every day, just one word or or whatever it is. And then um, take a look at that because it can really help you to figure out uh, sort of where you're going typically. Yeah. So Mandy, how do you feel about uh, doing a giveaway real quick? Yeah, absolutely. We've got some awesome prizes from EduMatch. And so I want to give an opportunity for someone to win something. So um, I'm going to split this up. We've actually got three prizes. We'll do two now, and then we'll do one at the end, um, just to make Katie's job a little more difficult. Um, but <laughs> EduMatch has donated two copies of It's Me by our good friend, Jeff Kubiak. And so I just wanted to ask those who are viewing us right now, you know, for the first two people who share out what they're going to do for themselves this coming week are, are going to win a book from Jeff Kubiak. So I'm going to wait for just a moment and let those comments come in. But again, what are you going to do for yourself this upcoming week for your own mental health? We want to make sure that everybody is taking this time, especially during the, uh, what'd you call it? Farch? Yeah, during Farch. <laughs> farch time. Yeah. So uh, make sure <laughs> that you're getting those comments in. And then, of course, we'll let those know um, who won. And then, you know, we'll... Uh, for all those winners, make sure that you're um, emailing Katie um, when we get to that point of who won. Um, but I'm going to transition real quick to another question, which is, you know, up your your alley of technology, right? Sure. We talked about the term going back to normal, and that's being used mm -hmm. often right now. And yeah. that's also being associated with 
technology of going back to paper and pencil and over the last for sure at least a year year and a half we have had to use technology extensively um mm -hmm. so kind of where should we go from here in regards to technology and is the technology use having an impact on the student's social emotional learning yeah so this is an interesting um question because I've had interesting conversations with districts who have said things like our students have been on technology so much that our goal coming back is to never have them on technology. And and I do get that it feels it feels so one sided right right now with all of the technology in place and how um, reliant we had been during the pandemic. Um, but I also think that we need to go into this with moderation. Mm -hmm. And uh, you know that's one thing we struggle to do in education is to wrap our minds around what the the moderate way to approach something would be. We're always on one side or the other. It's never never in the middle. And um, and I think that from the standpoint of you know should we be using technology? We did amazing things over the course of the pandemic heck yeah, we should be using technology. Like we just got everybody to where we were hoping that they would be. Like they know how to use Chromebooks or, mm -hmm. or what, you know, whatever devices they were using, they, uh, teachers know how to get online. Like they know how to, how to get their students online and get them engaged. And they've worked really hard on this stuff. We should definitely not let it go. Um, I, I really think that, you know, I, I do a lot of work with districts right now in the area of blended learning, um, particularly the flex model of blended learning and how the flex model takes all of the best things that we did in, during the pandemic and brings it into the classroom so you can focus on relationships. That's where our, our goal should be. Yeah. Um, that being said, it's like absolutely technology impacts mental health. Right. Like we can't we can't deny that, mm -hmm. um, you know, there are um, just there are there is there is too much, you know, like I, I always say about uh, even teacher disengagement, like too much of anything is still too much, too much working, even though you love it is still too much, you know. Um, and and so I think it, the an important piece that we're going to have to be aware of and look at moving forward is making sure that students haven't developed some sort of addiction um, as, as they were expected to be online. Um, and then also still keeping in contact with their friends via their phones and things like that. Like just be, be aware of, of that kind of stuff. Um, I used to do a lot of work with um, the high schoolers in, when I was a tech director, I would bring, bring in the, um, you know, the students and talk to them, show them their digital wellness piece on their phones, tell them to really look at it. What did the numbers mean? So we would talk a lot about that. And I would always have students come back to me and say, oh my gosh, I had no idea. I was spending 10 hours on Instagram. <laughs> and, you know, and, and I had one girl come in and she said, I, I want to know how to set my limits. She's like, mm -hmm. can you show me that? She said, I don't want to be one of those kids. And, and so, uh, we had a really good conversation about that. Um, so making making students aware of what those kind of things mean, just keeping our eyes out and eyes open uh, for some addictions and things. It's also, the, the potential is also there that it went the other way, right? They got so sick of being on technology that they stopped using it as much. 
Um, I, I feel like I've done that. I feel yeah. like I went through a period where I couldn't put it down and now I'm going through a period where I don't want to pick it up. Um, you know, so it can go kind of both ways, but like I think technology it's, fatigue. <laughs> yeah. Oh, for sure. Yeah. yeah. I, I mean, like, you know, zoom fatigue that took what three months yep. <laughs> of the pandemic and everyone was sick of zoom. Um, but I think that, uh, you know, again, in moderation, right? Watching for red flags for, for any kind of obsessive behaviors around the technology, making sure that um, we continue to do the awesome things that we did that really engage students in the classroom and we don't just throw everything away that we just that we just learned to be true. Um, I, I love that I hear some districts saying, um, we see and we recognize that online learning did work really well for some students. Um, and so I used to, uh, you know, work with districts a lot prior to the pandemic on creating online, uh, online charter schools, online programs. And I'm starting to get the calls now saying, hey, will you look at our online program that we have and make it an actual, an actual thing that can sustain itself? Um, and so I love that I hear districts taking that into account, recognizing that we did have some students that that worked really well that way. Um, and we want to continue servicing them. Um, so I think, again, I think we have to look at it in in moderation. Uh, does it impact mental health? Absolutely. It does. We know that it impacts our mental health. Um, you know, I was just talking to a friend of mine the other day that she's like, oh, my gosh, social media makes me feel so bad. <laughs> she goes, I can't, I can't take like how sometimes I get so obsessed with looking for who liked my stuff. She goes, Oh yep. my God, I'm way too old for this. And so we know we do it. So of yep. course the students are going through the same thing. Um, so just being aware of those things and having those real conversations with students, I think is important. And as adults, we have a fully functioned brain where a student yeah. is growing. And, right. You know, there was a comment about, you know, an eight-year-old daughter and their eyes hurting, you know, mm -hmm. and of course, you know, you don't even think about that component of a child being on a screen for eight hours, you know, what is that going to cause, you know, mm -hmm. headaches and are they going to be able to concentrate, you know, due to that? So I know there's a lot of components there. Mm -hmm. And of course, like you said, it needs to be within moderation uh, for technology, but at the same point, we shouldn't go backwards based on the gains that we've we've gone through um, mm -hmm. through this pandemic. So real quick, I want to announce the winner. So I've got Van Scott as a winner and then teach underscore teacher or teacher. Um, those are the two <laughs> two winners. Um, they were the first two. So you're going to win a book from Jeff Kubiak. Um, make sure that you are emailing Katie at teachbetter.com. Mm -hmm to announce that you were the winner of this giveaway. And we'll do one more at the very end um, for the last one, which is a course from EduMatch. And again, thank you to Sarah Thomas for sponsoring this one hour session with the amazing Mandy Freilich. And Mandy, I know that um, you talked about, you know, next year, but there's been a lot of loss, you know, during this last year and kind of fill in the blank as to where that loss may be. But what are some things that people can do to start that healing process? Healing is super, is super interesting because it's specific to everybody, right? I mean, how I heal from something may not be the same way that somebody else heals from something, um, which makes things like trauma so difficult to mm -hmm. talk about because 
people get traumatized in different ways and they heal in different ways. Um, one really important piece that I feel is true for most people um, is that you have to be able to know yourself well enough to be able to figure out how you're feeling. Um, you need to be able to name the emotion. Uh, and, and that sounds really simple, but yet it's so powerful. So if, if, you know, um, if you are sad, you are sad and it's okay. It's okay to be sad. As long as you're not sad all the time, like it's a depression issue that you need to deal with. It's okay to sometimes be sad. Mm -hmm. Um, I had a, I had a, uh, superintendent say to me that he had a few days in a row that had been really difficult during the pandemic. And he uh, went into, you know, he got home one night and went into the shower and cried for a half an hour. And he said, how do I not do that? He said, you absolutely do it. Like, that's yeah. what you do. That is your body's like natural way of processing through and letting go of emotions. Mm -hmm. Worse would be to not do that and box it up and hold it in and let it fester inside and, and yeah. really, you know, make you feel worse over the long run. You have to be able to, um, you have to be able to acknowledge the emotions that you have. You need to be able to say, it's okay for me to have those emotions and to let go of the guilt that often comes along with working through all the feels. Um, and then I would say that once, you know, if you've gone through that process, I used to have a counselor that used to say, feel to heal. That was her thing. She would say, you have to feel it to heal it. You have to. And if you bottle it up, it's not going to work. Um, and sometimes that means, yeah, and, and uh, Renewed Harmony said, normalize emotions, even the messy ones. Yep. Yes. <laughs> because, uh, you know, the, the ones we never want to deal with are the messy ones. They're the ones that make us cry. And, and do I, I used to be so embarrassed so embarrassed that when I would get super angry, I would cry because it, it made me so mad because I was like, no, I'm not actually sad. I am super angry about this. Yeah. Tears, 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 tears. <laughs> and I used, I had to get into a place where I'm like, okay, that's how my body reacts to being angry. It's okay. You know, it's, it still can feel a little embarrassing sometimes, but it's with the way my body is processing that emotion and that, that has to be all right. Um, so I think as far as healing goes, you really have to be able to listen to your body. Um, you have to be able to work through those emotions that are really, that are really difficult, even when it's not convenient. Um, I saw somebody the other day say on Twitter, um, I, I feel like I'm to that place where I can't. I just can't anymore. You know, I'm exhausted. I, 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 I don't feel like I know how to go on with what's, you know, with what's happening right now. And what I wanted to say to her, but it never works in the 260 characters or whatever you have. I wanted to say to her, then sleep. And I'm not being sarcastic. I'm being serious. Yep. Then sleep. And I don't care if you can fit it in, fit it in anyway, because if you don't, you're going to continue to feel this way and you're not processing through your overwhelm that you have right now. And, and in order to process through that, if you're tired, you have to sleep. Yep. That's all there is to it. And so sometimes part of healing is listening to your body, understanding what it needs, and then doing that no matter what. Um, so I think, uh, you know, healings, I, I love talking about healing because there's, 
you know, there's so much happening all the time. And I feel like we don't talk enough about how people can heal. Yep. We always talk about, well, we're just going to forget that. It's, it's sort of, it reminds me of, uh, have you ever heard the term where people say, just rub a little dirt on it to kids oh, yeah. and they fall over and they get hurt? Like, I'm pretty sure like, my dad said that growing <laughs> up, yeah. <laughs> right? But we do that to kids all the time. Yeah. We do that same thing. We say, stop crying. Don't feel frustrated. Don't be angry. Like we tell them, don't, 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 don't. And then as adults, what do we do? Same thing. Same thing. Where we tell ourselves, don't be angry. Don't be sad. Mm -hmm. Rub a little dirt on it, you know, and they, the, the emotional dirt or whatever. Yeah. Um, and so we we do some of those same things and and that that just uh makes it more difficult to heal but i i do love talking about healing because of that because it is the way that we have to go yeah that's amazing i love it you talked about sleep i think you know we use work and stress sometimes as a badge of honor and we yeah. don't give ourselves the opportunity to just rest mm -hmm. <laughs> and as educators i think that's so important um, for mental health and it's something that i think it often is forgotten so i'm so glad mandy that you brought that up um i want to do another giveaway real quick yeah absolutely i also want to talk about your work toward the end and you know we're getting toward the end of our hour i can't believe how fast it's been going but <laughs> Um, for our second prize, we've got this amazing course from Sarah Thomas called Podcasting with Your PLN. And so as the podcast manager of the Teach Better team, I cannot go by this segment without saying, you know, we, we're going to give the prize to the first person that says, what is their favorite podcast on the Teach Better Podcast Network? So if you put that in the comment section, the first person um, to actually comment about that, what is your favorite podcast on the podcast network? Um, you will get that course for free from Sarah Thomas and EduMatch, which is podcasting with your PLN. All right. So last piece, I know you have a lot of literature out there on two of the topics that we talked about, which was, you know, the social emotional piece, but then also like the technology slash innovation. Mm -hmm. So for those who may not have read any of your books, but they hear the amazing wisdom that you're providing here, you know, what are those books and how can they get a hold of them? Yeah, so all of my books are on Amazon, Barnes and Noble, um, all of those types of things. You can also find them on my website at www.divergentedu.com. Um, three of my three of my books are on educator mental health. Uh, the Fire Within is um, has a, kind of a compilation of stories from educators who have gone through various adversities and how they've used um, essentially what was their post post traumatic growth in classrooms with students to be better teachers. And so that's what The Fire Within is about. Reignite the Flames is sort of a shoot off of The Fire Within, except for that it's a, it's a lot more of the information that I've learned and researched since writing The Fire Within. And so Reignite the Flames is about educator engagement and how to be happier in our jobs, how to recognize some of our mental health issues, uh, things like that. And then the Educator's Matchbook is a little bit different. The Educator's Matchbook is a uh, really long, I think it's like 125 pages or something to that effect. Um, it's sort of, um, it's a week by week guide to doing things that I talk about in Reignite the Flame. So mm -hmm. it's, it's kind of like it's kind of like a journal. Uh, it's got emotion tracking in it. It has um, you know, a gratitude journal in it. It's got mindfulness journal in it. It's got um, different uh, reflective type questions in it. Um, and then also within the pages, there's uh, different mindfulness 
um, techniques and tools. There's gratitude, like information on, on practicing gratitude. Uh, all of it is geared towards educators, but it's definitely like definitely some of the gratitude and mindfulness and resilience techni techniques in it can be used with students as well. And so um, that is sort of what ed uh, educators matchbook is. And then Divergent EDU was um, Divergent EDU was launched second, but was actually my first book. So I wrote yeah. Divergent EDU and The Fire Within in tandem. And we launched The Fire Within first, and then we launched Divergent EDU. Divergent EDU is based on the hierarchy of needs of innovation and divergent thinking, which I had developed quite a while ago. And it basically is a, an organizational structure for supporting educators um, in innovative and divergent thinking. And of course, um, even then, I knew that if you have a disengaged educator, an educator who wants to leave education and isn't interested in being there anymore, if you have um, a lot of disengaged educators, it's going to impact your culture, which impacts um, you know, educators feeling like they can be innovative and divergent. And so that's what diver uh, Divergent EDU is about. Mm -hmm. So that's sort of the, the four main projects, I guess. Yeah. All right. So Manny, we've got, only got a couple of minutes left. We've, mm -hmm. I think we're down to seven minutes if I'm doing my math right. So um, <laughs> want to leave on this. So for those who are looking to kind of enhance their social emotional learning, you know, playbook, if you will, what is something they can do tomorrow or next week to really enhance that within their classroom, their school or their district? Sure. Well, the first thing, again, is I would recommend actually checking out Castle because they have a ton of um, resources and everything from district level implementations to, you know, classroom resources and things like that. So I, I don't work for them. I don't I've never even spoken to anybody there. So it's not an affiliation <laughs> thing. It's just I, I believe that much in their work. And so I highly recommend checking uh, checking their stuff out. Um, if I had to say something that you can start next week, um, I'll give you the sort of gratitude thing that I've been uh, talking about lately. And I, I um, it's a really easy way to start practicing gratitude in your classroom, which is a resilience strategy. Mm -hmm. So um, I would say um, what usually what I've done with if I go into classrooms and I work with students and um, take them through this practice is, is I'll tell them to come up with a, um, a gratitude, something that they're gratuitous for according to their five senses. And so they'll come up with five things. So like, for example, um, smell might be the smell of your mother's perfume or grandma's apple pie or, you know, something maybe your dad was a mechanic. So the smell of, car, you know, cars being fixed or something like that, something that you feel gratitude for. And so you do it according to all five senses. And, and, and so a lot of people understand the idea of practicing gratitude. Like they, they understand that you, if you write three things down a day, that you're practicing gratitude and it rewires your brain to be, you know, so that the, the sort of foundation of, of what you, what happens when you go through adversity is a little bit more positive. Like most people understand that, but what they don't understand is that you have to feel it. Uh, so they'll go through the emotions of writing it down, but you actually have to feel the gratitude, like you have to internalize that process. And so what I tell students is I have them write five down and have them pick one, their favorite one that makes them the happiest ever. And then I'll tell them to um, 
feel it from their toes to their nose. And so I'll walk them through um, just some deep breathing to relax a little bit. And then I'll ask them to imagine like a white light or water or, um, you know, something like that starting at their toes and that to remember that feeling of, of um, gratitude that they feel towards that thing. And, and it works from their, their toes and I'll tell them it goes up their feet, their calves and all the way up uh, to their nose. And the best thing about this that's so much fun as a teacher is that if the students are truly doing it, they'll start to smile every time. They'll, they'll like you'll see, uh, especially the little ones, the, you know, second, secondary students are a little bit more uh, <laughs> guarded. Yeah, a little bit more guarded. They kind of keep it, keep it a little bit closer to themselves. But especially elementary students, they will start to smile. And it is so cute. Uh, but I tell them to make sure that they're feeling it from their toes to their nose. And as far as adults go, we need to do the same thing. So I think that that's something you could do in your classroom starting tomorrow. Um, you could also do for yourself starting in the morning. Yeah. And it really doesn't take that much time, right? I mean, mm -hmm. in regards to the class time, that probably takes a couple minutes and you can yep. still get into the lesson and not feel like you're missing some of the curriculum. But yeah, it would be absolutely. so important for the mental health of, of your students. Yes. All right. So, Sandra, we're, you were the winner of the course. So, congratulations. And um, I, again, want to say that if you are the winner, um, the three winners from the segment, make sure that you are reaching out to Katie. And her email again is katie at teachbetter.com and let her know that you were the winner of the EduMatch prize. And so, again, what you won was a course from EduMatch. And they're just an amazing company. Mandy, you've published with EduMatch. Um, I've got a book coming too, Aspire to Lead. I can't wait to have that come out um, with EduMatch. Fabulous company. Uh, make sure that you're checking everything out. Um, and you can find everything at edumatchpublishing.com. Um, yeah. Mandy, you're just amazing. You really are. Thank you. Um, we've only got a couple of minutes left. So if anyone is interested in asking Mandy a question, you can def definitely drop it in the comment section um, for the last couple of minutes. Um, and she can answer anything on social emotional learning, technology, innovation. Honestly, you could ask Mandy anything and she is on top of it in the world <laughs> of education. I can promise you that. Well, I don't know if I'm on top of it, but I definitely have an opinion. That's for sure. <laughs> <laughs> You're always bringing the fire. I know that much. So that's why yeah. we love having you on here. Um, <laughs> while these comments and things are coming in, or if you want to give some green hearts for Mandy, mm -hmm. um, I, I got to, of course, bring up the fact that we are the last segment for this first part. So before we end, it's really important that um, you understand that this is the last event for this stream, but we're not done. The event is not done at all. It's going to continue with Dave and Caitlin, who I know are going to bring it for the next segment, segment as they're talking about grading, assessment, and feedback, and you're not going to want to miss it. And I know there's some comments coming in right now. So again, if you have any questions for Mandy, please drop them in there. But Mandy, is there any last thoughts you have with like the last 60 seconds that we have together? No, I don't think so. I just want to say that I hope that everybody is having a wonderful rest of the year. Please take some time for yourselves. It's not, it doesn't have to be a guilty thing. It's you absolutely necessitate it for going into next year. So I hope that you have, uh, again, an amazing rest of your rest of your school year and a restful summer. <laughs>